नमो तस् भगवतो अरातो सम्मा संबुद्धस् नमो तस् भगवतो अरातो सम्मा संबुद्धस् नमो तस् भगवतो अरातो सम्मा संबुद्धस् friends today i want to give this uh, dhamma talk on metta the theme of our meditation retreat this uh, whole week we talk and practice talk about metta and practice metta and uh, discuss questions related to metta i like to start <coughs> with the background of metta sutta it is called karaniya metta sutta o simply metta sutta karaniya means to be done so this discourse is not just to read or uh, discuss about something this discourse is buddha specifically titled it as uh, give the ti- gave the title as karaniya metta metta practice in discourse that means it is very practical the background of this i hope every one of you knows the background if your memory is rusty <laughs> i like to uh, repeat or remind you the background do every year buddha observed three months rainy season in one place and many monks thousands of them went to the same monastery where buddha observed the rainy season they went there to be with him to be in the presence of the buddha itself was inspirational because buddha is an embodiment of loving friendliness his appearance radiates loving friendliness all around so people monks assembled there just to have this feeling of buddha's metta because when somebody practices metta everybody likes to be with that person human animal even divine beings 
are attracted to that mag- magnet. Metta is a magnet. It is not fire. Fire repels, repels people. They don't want to get close to fire because fire burns. All of them want to get close to metta because it brings peace. So these monks went to observe Vassa or three months retreat with the Buddha, even though they can do the practice of three months retreat, rainy season, all by themselves alone, somewhere in distant places, but they went to see the Buddha. And 60 of them, (coughs) uh, at the end, uh, took a subject of meditation, went to a forest, and people around the forest, villagers, built little huts for them to stay, spend the three months. But soon, the, it is, the story goes, that the spirit in the forest were disturbed because they were not monastics. They were disturbed with these very peaceful monks. So they wanted, they became very uncomfortable to live with them. How can holy, unholy people can live with the holy people? Unholy people will feel very uncomfortable. So, they, these spirit, forest spirits, conjured various types of images to frighten these monks away. They brought dead bodies without heads and heads without bodies, hands and legs without bodies, and they were rotting, smelling, and these monks soon became ill because of this rotten human flesh and bodies. They returned to the Buddha and said, Vendabhai, sir, we cannot meditate there. This is a very awful place, horrible place. Buddha said, because that is the good place for you to meditate. Go back, meditate there. First time you went there without a weapon, this time you must go there with a weapon. Probably these monks began to wonder what kind of weapon Buddha wanted us to take with us. Club, or bow and arrow, or rocks. I don't know what they thought. Anyway, the Buddha said that this time you must go there with a weapon. What is the weapon? The weapon to defeat, fight, the evil is metta. Take this weapon with you. 
and twice each week you recite it. Each week means full moon days, new moon days, and two quarter moon days. Each, each month has four. So, quarter moon days, recite this metta twice a day, morning and evening. There are two quarter moon days. Waning moon and waxing moon. And full moon day twice, new moon day twice. Eight times a month, recite. What do they recite? This is like a mantra. You recite a mantra to drive away evil spirits in some countries. This is a wonderful recital, metta recital. Even the words metta, metta words, when we recite, even those words generate peaceful vibration. If you recite them every day and the area where you recite it will have a peaceful vibe. Human, animals, even divines will be attracted to you. That is true. We don't know how many beings are attracted to metta practice. Even recital of metta practice has a very great benefit. <clears throat> so since then, this discourse has become the standard discourse on all occasions, every occasions. In uh, especially Theravada Buddhist countries, on birthdays, uh, on weddings, on uh, housewarming ceremonies, and so forth and so on. There are many different types of ceremonies. On each ceremony, we recite this discourse because of its metta power. So, <clears throat> now when the Buddha asked these monks to recite it, they recited this discourse with their full heart, not half-heartedly, with complete uh, absorption into it. This is, then they also began to feel that this discourse brings peace to them. So eventually what happened, all these uh, evil spirits became wholesome spirits. They not only removed all these unsightly objects, but also they began to support these venerable monks who practice metta. They began to show their love and their compassion, 
their friendliness towards these monks. Friends, when you say good things, friendly things to somebody, do you expect that person to be hostile? When you say, have a happy day, have a nice day, and may you be happy, may you be peaceful. If you say this to somebody, do you think that some that person would turn around and say something to hurt you? No. That person definitely, even if the person is depressed, even if the person is in a very bad mood, that person will relax. Relax and respond to you in a friendly way. Even if you say these words to somebody. Why is that? How a person who is uptight, rigid, immediately become relaxed and friendly, not only because of our word of metta, but also because that person has the root of metta in himself. That is why a very rigid, uptight person in good, bad mood turn out to be friendly, because you initiate his metta seed, you give a, a sort of a kickstart his metta is dormant, inactive, hidden, doesn't come up. You give a kick, jump start, and then it, his metta begins to work. So the metta, or loving friendliness, I use the word loving friendliness, uh, because metta comes from another Pali noun called mitta. Mitta's nature is metta. And therefore I prefer using the word friendliness rather than kindness. Because for kindness there is another Pali word called karuna. Karuna kindness, metta, friendliness. So, <clears throat> we have metta in all of us in inactive, dormant. But, unfortunately, because of the ways we are raised the things we were taught, the people we associate with, under various such conditions, our deeply rooted metta seed does not grow. Metta seed does not grow. But we all have the seed. When the right opportunity 
is present, then metta germinate, sprout, grows, comes into full growth. So when we practice metta, what we do, we help the other person also to practice it. We, we help other person to recognize the existence of metta in that person. That is what the Buddha did. That is what the Buddha did to these monks and the spirits. That is why Buddha asked the monk to go back to the same place. Because he knew not only these monks will develop metta, but even the spirits which were hostile towards him would turn into metta practicing loving friendly people. Not only that, people around that area who happened to see this miracle, you know arousing somebody's metta, see it, is a miracle. Because the person does not know that he has such a valuable gem in himself or herself. So when you give little, you know, pork, you know, the pride, then it starts. So, uh, because this is a very natural thing. You see, metta very often, friendliness very often, in children. <coughs> you bring ten children from various uh, places and put them together. In two minutes, they all are friendly. They play, they sing, they dance, they are together. Because that metta seed is in them. That naturally comes to the surface. So, there are, Buddha said there are four types of people. One type of people, uh, say they uh, assume that uh, there are some people who uh, they, they buy old, rusty, dusty metal plate. And they buy it, bring home, and throw it into a corner and never look at it. And it continues to be collecting rust and dust and eventually will be totally useless. Similarly, people have uh, anger in them and um, they just don't do anything about it. And this anger continues to grow and uh, destroy their peace 
and they die in anger. So they do not know that they also have the seed of metta in them. They don't know how to bring it up. That is one type of people. They, they have anger in them, but they don't do anything about it. There, there are another type of people who buy a metal plate which is rusty and dusty, so they know that it is rusty and dusty, so they, instead of throwing into a corner, they clean it and then put into use. Similarly, people who know that they have anger and they know how to get rid of it by practicing metta, they just like the people who clean the rusty metal, they practice metta and get rid of their anger and live with metta and die with metta. The third type of people know that they don't have anger, but they don't do anything about it. So they don't take the advantage of metta. The fourth type of people are like people who, who buy a metal free from rust, free from dust, and they want to maintain it. They, from time to time they clean it and keep it always polished and clean and never let it be rusty. Similarly, people who know that they don't have anger and therefore, in order to maintain their anger-free state of mind, they practice metta. They practice metta and keep it practicing, and they live with metta and die with metta. So, we often hear people say, well, I don't do anything wrong, I am clean, I don't have to meditate, I don't have to practice metta, I am okay. These are the people who don't take the advantage of metta practice. Even though they may not be angry, if they don't practice metta, they cannot get the benefit of metta practice and they live without uh, having the, the full benefit of metta. <coughs> so we must learn 
to we must we must understand that understand that metta is available metta is in us and how to promote it nourish it bring it to fruition through the repeated practice so there is a beautiful uh, uh, uh similes for uh, five similes uh especially when the balsar put uh, given it it is just like uh, first simile is uh, dirty rag suppose a monk these similes are very very important to remember uh, so that uh, we will uh, not be negligent in practicing metta uh, under certain difficult situations suppose there is a rag dirty rag a monk is going on his arms round and he sees this rag and it is so dirty ugly smelly uh, one may not even feel even lifting with fingers he would uh, hold it by his foot one foot and kick with the other foot to get this they get the rust the dust mud out of this rag and eventually after getting rid of some of the uh, mud and dirt he would very with a gingerly feeling with two fingers he bring it to a, a place where there is water he washes it and then he finds this is a good piece of cloth so brings it to the monastery and eventually he collects such pieces and either mend a worn torn robe or collect such pieces and make them put them into making one robe so he sees even though this dusty rag uh, dirty ugly looking has some value in it if he removes the dirt similarly there is a person whose words are very very offensive unpleasant harsh words and his but his deeds are good so by associating with him you know his words are unpleasant offensive deeds are good he might even come and help you uh, 
when you are in trouble. But it, his words are very, very offensive words. So you know, even this person uh, deserves our metta, even though his words are unpleasant, offensive, even he has enough good heart to help you. Suppose you are meddling with a, with a vehicle, car on the road, suddenly stopped, you don't know what to do. You try to uh, find out the cause of uh, this problem of the car. Somebody is around, he sees you meddling with, uh, with the engine without knowing how to fix it, and uh, he might think that uh, you are making it worse. So he would come to you and said, you fool, you don't know how to do it, let me help you. He pushed you aside and, you know, fixed the problem and said, there you are, now you can go. So he has a good heart to come and help you, but the way he talked is unacceptable, offensive. So, Buddha said, we need to practice metta to somebody whose behavior, uh, his, uh, his speech is unpleasant, but yet he opens his heart to metta practice. So we can share metta. And if we talk to him with friendly way, he immediately becomes relaxed and his words become very soft. His words become gentle and friendly. So, it is in us. Second is uh, 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 there's a person whose uh, uh, words are sweet, but the no whose uh, words are sweet, but the actions are rotten, unpleasant. Uh, so, Buddha said, uh, similarly, <coughs> he is compared to a, a pond that is uh, covered with algae. So, when you want to get into the water, either get some water to drink from that pond where covered with algae, what you would do, you will slowly move away the algae and get clear water and drink. Similarly, if the person's words are very uh, sweet, his uh, behavior is unpleasant, still he deserves our metta. Because when we talk to him in a kind way, friendly way, using our own metta, that person also will be relaxed and that person's uh, way of offensive deeds will change. And he, all, he eventually become very friendly with us. And then he recognized he himself also has 
metta in himself. So even though his uh, uh, physical uh, behavior is uh, unpleasant, uh, our metta can arouse his deeply rooted metta to operate in a friendly way. Third is, <coughs> there is a person whose uh, words and deeds both are very, very bad. But occasionally his heart opens to metta. He is like a, a, like a, a puddle, uh, a hoof print puddle. Suppose you are very, very thirsty and you are almost dehydrated and uh, you are looking for water. Then suddenly on the road you find a, a horse hoof or cow's hoof uh, filled with water. But that water is very little and you cannot scoop it with your hand without disturbing the puddle. But you are still thirsty. You know uh, if you use anything to scoop water out of the puddle, you will disturb it and make it muddy. So what you would do, you are very, very thirsty. So what you would do, you kneel down and slowly sip that little water from the hoof puddle, which is not very pleasant, not very hygienic, but yet your thirst is so bad, so unbearable, very painful, so you drink that. Similarly, if somebody's words and deeds both are very, very unpleasant, and yet, just like this little water quench your thirst, even though it is unhealthy and unhygienic, it will quench your thirst. Similarly, even the person's words and deeds are very, very uh, unfriendly or offensive, he still has an opening in his heart for metta. So when we show our metta to that person, that hidden metta in himself will come out and he recognizes it and he changes way of doing things. The fourth person is like a, a sick person. When you travel, you will see a sick person, he is so sick uh, that he needs immediate medical assistance. That he, that, that he is uh, 
like uh, a person, a person who is whose thoughts, words, deeds, all are unacceptably bad. That person is like the sick person who is almost beyond help. This person who has whose thoughts, words, deeds are very offensive, very unpleasant, and yet your heart has metta in you, so you will have empathy towards this person, and then you initiate yourself to show, to show, to show your metta to this person by taking him, what, doing whatever you can to help this sick person, uh, getting water, getting uh, a doctor, or leading him to a village and so forth. Whatever you can do to help this person, you do, and then help this person. Similarly, when we have metta in our heart, no matter how bad the other person is, we will not give up on him. We continue to practice. What this means, <coughs> what all this means, is that there is no anybody precluded from our metta practice. In metta practice, as we all know, there is no uh, difference between human, animal, divine, holy person, unholy person, good person, that person, this and that. All these differences that we talk about in our ordinary day-to-day -day conversations will no longer exist in the face of metta practice. That means we don't make any distinction between one and another in metta practice. As we all know, when we practice metta, uh, metta is called sometimes love, this love does not have a dichotomy of uh, good, uh, the metta and anger or hate, or love and hate. Uh, in ordinary love, uh, I love you so long as you behave in such and such a way. Sometimes people say, I practice metta to everybody but such a, that, that guy. I hate him, but I practice metta for everybody else. It doesn't work that way. Uh, we cannot pick and choose for metta practice. 
that is why it is called universal or unconditional. Metta itself is not unconditional, it is conditional because it is created by our mind. Whichever is mentally created is conditional. But in the practice of metta, uh, we do not put any condition. Uh, in ordinary uh, love, uh, these two sides exist. This side love, the other side anger or hate. And love and hate doesn't exist in metta practice. Good and bad doesn't exist in metta practice. Metta practice, therefore, is uh, metta practice itself is unconditional, but metta itself uh, is conditional because it is created in our mind. Mind creates, and therefore it is conditional. And as it is conditional, it is subject to change, impermanent. Everything is impermanent. Metta included. But when you practice metta, that practice has no boundaries, no limit. And that is why it is called unconditional love. Now, <coughs> there are ways of practicing metta. Buddha said, asevita, associating through uh, repetition. You know, whenever we do not repeat something, it becomes eventually atrophy. If our hand is, if we don't use our hand for long period of time, whether left hand or right hand, that hand becomes useless, atrophy. By because of using it every day, we can use the hand. So are the legs and so forth. Similarly, if we do not practice metta every day, if we do not repeatedly practice metta every day, it will vanish from our mind. And we don't know that we have the ability to practice metta. And when the situation arises, we don't know what to do with it. And therefore, the very first thing we have to do in order to practice metta is to repeat it every day. Whatever you repeat every day, and this is 100% true, whatever we use every day becomes the second nature of our life. Whether it is talking or walking or writing or reading or whatever. Similarly, metta becomes metta only through the constant repeated practice. That is called asevita associating. Our mind must associate with metta. Metta 
is a feeling. It has three levels. First level is repetition of words. Second level is thinking. Thinking the benefit and the meaning of the practice of metta. We have to take, we have, we have, when we repeat it many, 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 many times, then something happens, we think about it. What happened to me? Why I am not getting angry now? Why I am so uh, forgiving? Uh, why? Because I've been practicing metta. It has cut grooves in our brain. Even if you walk on a rock every day, eventually you find the path on the rock. Our foot is very soft, rock is very hard. Even this soft food, foot can make a track on a rock if we walk on it every day. Similarly, even though at the beginning, Metta practice may be difficult for some people because it is not the regular thing we do. Wherever you go, we say, I hate so-and-so. I hate the job. I hate my mother, my father. I hate the boss. I hate my companion. I hate my next uh, co-worker. These are the language we, this is the language we use every day. Do we use every day? I have my metta for so-and-so. I practice metta to so-and-so. I love so-and-so. Do you say that very often? I don't think so. We don't hear that very often. We hear very often, even if uh, you accidentally kick a rock, you say, I hate the rock. Rock has nothing to do with um, foolishness. But the word comes out of your mouth very easily, quickly, because that is what you have been using. Whatever we have been using very often, that will become the first reaction at any situation. So if we practice metta every day, very often, repeatedly practice it, that becomes the, the, the number one uh, practice in your daily life. Then, <clears throat> cultivate it. How we cultivate? When we cultivate uh, a land, what we do? We remove all the weeds, rocks, harmful things from the land, and then cultivate. Similarly, when we practice metta, we must learn a way to get rid of our ill will, ill will. The opposite of ill will is good will. That good will is metta practice. If anybody ha wants to have a good will for anything, the person must get rid of ill will. Ill will is uh, a big subject. We may talk some other time if we have any time. Uh, for now, I must say, in order to cultivate metta, we have to get rid of our anger. However, 
When you are angry, don't try to practice metta. When you are rigid, uptight, tensed, don't try to practice metta at that, at that time. When you are angry, you let your anger settle down, let your anger slowly fade away by doing various other things, uh, exercising, reading, listening to uh, good Dhamma talks and meeting good friends and so forth and so on. You do something to reduce your anger, get rid of your anger and then practice metta for anger not to arise again. But when you have anger, at that time, if you try to practice metta, you will be, you know, killing yourself. It cannot, you cannot do that. So, in order to cultivate metta, we first must learn how to relax. How to get rid of our uptightness, our rigidity, with other means, practicing mindfulness, uh, meditation. I think that is the best to get rid of our anger. Seeing the uh, harm, danger of anger, uh, how anger is impermanent like anything else, how the object of anger is impermanent like anything else, how the situation was, situation that created anger is impermanent like anything else. So by practicing mindfulness, reflecting the danger of anger, contemplating the danger of anger, reflecting on its uh, harmfulness, and so forth, we get rid of anger. And when the mind is relaxed, metta naturally comes up, and then it is easy to practice metta. Then, third is amplification. How we amplify metta? We start in a very small way. For instance, uh, any way we start practicing metta, and that way should be boundless, uh, limitless. For instance, we practice metta only to one direction. When you say one direction, say for instance east, is there any limit to east? There's no limit to east. Because the universe is immeasurably large, endless. It goes to the very end of the universe in the east. So you begin with that. Even in that beginning, you never find an end of your metta. So even there, although we call it east, it is boundless, limitless. Uh, infinite. So we begin in a very small way and keep extending it. When you think of East, we may think of the distance 
some distance, and then you keep extending that distance farther and farther and farther and farther until you find no bound, no end, no boundary, no end to that eastern direction. That is how then you go to the uh, uh, southern direction, western direction, northern direction, and then sub-directions, up and down, you can expand it. That is called amplification. That is called bahulikata. Bahulikata, directional you can amplify, and time-wise you can amplify. That means, uh, uh, if you practice two minutes today, in the morning you can practice five minutes in the afternoon, and next day you can practice ten minutes, and so forth, you can expand the length of time. That is how you amplify your practice. Then, Buddha said, make it uh, uh, yānikataya. Yāna means uh, vehicle. Make meditation, metta meditation your vehicle. You ride on metta. So metta is your, uh, the, the, the horse. <laughs> so your, your vehicle. You, that means you live in metta vehicle. Yānikata, make it a vehicle. That means wherever you go, you carry your metta, let your metta carry you. Then, vattukataya, uh, vattu means ground. You know, these similes are wonderful similes. When the metta is your ground, how can any negative things arise in your mind? Your ground, your base, your foundation is very, very steady, firm. Your metta practice is so firm and steady, you feel you are grounded in metta. Nobody can make you angry or upset because you have made it your foundation, ground. Then, experience it. Anuttitaya, uh, don't get out of it. Experience it. Uh, only then can you feel metta. I said metta is, has three levels. Verbalize, verbalizing level, conceptualizing level, that means thinking level, and the feeling level. So Buddha said that's called parichita. Parichita means experience. You know, when we practice metta, I don't have to tell you how you experience, how you feel. Only entire Buddha's teaching is personal experience. It is not something that we can inculcate in somebody's mind or inject into somebody's mind. Nobody can do that. But each and every Pachatang Veta Bovinyu, each and every individual, wise individual, knows it 
experience it. When we practice metta, you know, people talk about Kalama Sutta very often in order to avoid any, any problem they quote Kalama Sutta. In the Kalama Sutta, is there anybody who has not heard the Kalama Sutta here? My goodness, that's a very beautiful discourse. I don't have time to tell that now. But in that discourse, Buddha gave a solace, practicing of metta. That is the part people don't uh, use. Buddha said, suppose somebody does not believe in free birth. Not, does not believe in rebirth. The person believes only one life. Okay. Buddha says, suppose that person get, gets rid of his anger and practice metta uh, in illimitable way, that means boundless metta, one practices boundless metta practice to all living beings, day in, day out, everywhere. Then, Buddha says, does that person is happy or unhappy? Or is that person happy or unhappy? Is that person peaceful or not? In this very life, he is happy, he is peaceful, he has many, many benefits of metta practice. Suppose there is life after death, he will be reborn even better place, with more calm, peaceful, happy state of mind. On the other hand, suppose somebody is full of anger, hatred, behave in a very mean way, causing harm to and trouble to everybody. Is he happy here and now? He is not happy. Suppose there is life after death, would he be happy? Would he be born as a, in a happy place? No. Why? Because unhappiness, anger, he practiced in this life. So Buddha said, practicing metta, whether there is life after death or not, practicing metta benefits you in this very life. And you will be the one who is more peaceful, happier than anybody who does not practice metta. So exercise it, experience it, feel it, feel it. Start with a small way, multiply it, and feel metta. Next is make it a habit. That is, uh, uh, when you make it a habit, uh, 
uh, habit is uh, more difficult to get rid of. It happens to us habitually, automatically. So we uh, automate our metta practice, make it, uh, make it comes to us naturally. How that, how metta comes to us naturally? By following these steps. And lastly, practice well. Susamaraddhaya. Susamaraddhaya. Begin well. Start well. How we start well? When we practice metta, we practice metta to ourselves. That is the best way to begin. We cannot forget us and practice metta to others. Actually, the secret is this. Even though we do not say, may I be well, happy and peaceful and so on, by mere practicing metta to others, we feel happy and peaceful. When I say, may so and so be well, happy and peaceful, can I say this with anger? With hate? No. This comes from my, our outflow of metta feeling. So the feeling is in us. We who practice it are the beneficiaries. And we benefit from metta. And when we benefit, we feel metta. And that is how we start metta practice well, beginning well. So, friends, uh, there are many more things to say. When other monks Yudha talks on metta, I don't want to say everything now. I, I must leave some for them to say. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> I will stop here. And tomorrow onward they will give Dhamma talks on metta. With these few uh, remarks, uh, I stop the talk. <laughs>